You were listening to the Give Me Five podcast, episode number 81. This is the Give Me Five podcast, a semi-entertaining show about very entertaining things. My name is Jimmy, and I've got a lovely bunch of coconuts. Deedly deedy. I am joined always by Greg. I have never eaten pork rinds. Never have. Man, that's weird. And that, Rob, that hurt, that hurts who is heart. currently eating pork rinds. That hurts my heart, Greg. So do pork rinds. No, they don't. They're delicious. <laughs> On the Give Me Five podcast, I agree with Rob. We discuss entertainment, pop culture, a little bit of nostalgia, and pork rinds. Pork rinds. This week, we've got an update to a previous topic, a review of the short fan film Michael vs. Jason, Evil Emerges, and an interview with our friends, a a synthwave act out of Orlando, ACP Pro, and they're here to talk about their new album and stick around to hear the new track Ravens vs. Wolves. Spoiler alert, it's amazing. Yeah, so uh, spoilers. Uh, speaking of spoilers, Jimmy spoilered the the lovely uh, song we're going to play. Uh, probably not a lot of spoilers this episode. We're I didn't only spoil covering... or anything. You said that you were going to spoil how good the music was. Fine. Now, is it Ravens and Wolves or Ravens versus Wolves? Ravens, Ravens and Wolves. Ravens and Wolves. Okay. Because you said versus Wolves. Oops, my bad. <laughs> That's just like what I'd like to see in my head. <laughs> anyway, spoiler. Uh, here's the spoiler for you. We are recording the opening of the show at the end of the night. So we're all very tired. And, uh, but there's not going to be a lot of spoilers. We're, we're covering one uh, short film that's from the internet. And then we are, of course, going to interview the band. So not a lot of spoilers there. So uh, a lot of wacky news going on. Uh, uh, I guess we should really just start off real quick. Star Wars trailer. Did you see it? What do you think? Are you excited? I'm cautiously optimistic. I'm I'm hopeful. And the the very end of the trailer is making me think a little bit. I know what you're talking about, the, the laugh. But uh-huh. I also think that I always like the repercussions of battle. I thought that the opening image that we really saw from... Uh, the first of the three i never remember the names rise of your mom or something uh, <laughs> rise of salacious crumb what was it what's the first one the three uh the force awakens force awakens, the force awakens. Thank, thank, you. You. thank you thank you uh i liked the all this the crashed star destroyers on jakku mm-hmm. i remember that but not the name of the movie uh i thought that was kind of a cool image and the crashed uh, death star was kind of neat on indoor which kind of i thought that was just a cool visual so that's no moon it is no moon. So, yeah, very excited about the about the movie. Uh, I just, you know, hope that they, you know, just don't F it up. Yeah, pull that thing out of the graveyard. It's just the, the sheer amount of, like, getting rid of established storylines in the last one and, and poo-pooing it. Uh, it happened so many times in that movie that it was, it became a little too obvious. And now that the original director is coming back, I'm hoping they are able to kind of turn that around. So, well, I mean, the name of the of the episode is the Rise of Skywalker, mm-hmm. or the name of the this installment is the Rise of Skywalker, and I'm I'm kind of wondering where they're going with that. I mean, maybe it'll be Skywalker Force Ghost Luke, you know, but I I don't know. I I, I hope that they can correct all of the all the shit that they did with that last one. Mm-hmm. Cool. But the Emperor cackle at the end, I was like, yeah, nice. 
Now, so that's, you know, the pop culture thing. I have got two completely batshit crazy news stories for you guys. Okay. Because I like that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yes, you do. And we're we're going to go with one from Florida first. Okay. And, uh, yeah. All right. So I intentionally did not click on these, so I know nothing about that. I actually nor, nor do I. wrote out my little spiel about this on a different page so that you'd be surprised. So police in Florida, somewhere near Orlando, they wouldn't quite say, uh, have arrested a man that they say uh, screamed obscenities and threatened to unleash an army of turtles. Army oh. of turtles on an entire town. A man named Thomas Lane, he referred to himself as the saint. And kept on telling people that an army of turtles is going to destroy everyone. Uh, he was arrested, um, of course. Okay, yeah. So for was... for for what? I mean, is that even a real threat? <laughs> I mean, can, can you arrest him for threatening people with a herd of turtles? Uh, a bunch of things. It's threat of uh, uh, disorderly conduct, resisting arrest, uh, disturbing the peace. All of those things because he was screaming obscenities as well. Okay. He um yeah he. Was arrested while he was at the police station. He was pounding on the walls and glass at the police station. Um, I know there's at least one cop that's like, I'm too old for this shit. <laughs> but Danny Glover. And, <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's like, I retire in two days and this crazy ass. <laughs> so uh, he eventually left the police station. I'm not entirely sure how that happened, but he did leave the uh, police station. And he they went were to like, a, get the hell out of here. Yeah. <laughs> he went to a 7-Eleven where he, uh, he continued yelling at customers, then called 911 on himself uh, again. And uh, then as the police were arresting him a second time, he was telling all of the people within his earshot that uh, they needed to leave now or you all be sorry. You fucked with the saint. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, he also continued to uh, shout obscenities while warning passersby about the impending army of turtles. (laughs) Oh, Oh. yeah. So, I mean, he was very stressed out. It is very hard training a army of turtles. And getting them to march in line. So you have to yeah. understand that. You know, plus he had to knit the little bandanas and knee pads for them and get them to use swords and whatnot. So that that was the first that was the first story that was sent to us actually. Man. And thank he you. thought they were dangerous turtles. To us. Yeah. And the other one, I have read this story multiple times and I'm still shocked it is not Florida. Because this is about the most Florida short of one of these people actually having sex with an alligator. Uh while eating a key lime pie. Like, this is about the most Florida story I've heard that was not Florida. Uh, this was in Eau Claire, Wisconsin. Okay. And uh, there's a tweet from the Eau Claire uh, Police Department. Here's the tweet. I will read that in full. Last night, shortly before 8.30 p.m., officers were called to Walmart for a retail theft in progress. They were told a female and her dog shoplifted items from the store. Uh, when officers arrived at Walmart, they found the female, Lisa Smith. Okay. Look at the picture I put in the notes. How old is Lisa Smith? Like... 60 right. 65 take a look here yeah this is two weird ass stories so R- rob you you are pretty All good right. with the anatomy so, you you say 65 um i'm going to say 400 <laughs> 46 years old oh my god do not do wow. math do not do math guys don't do math that is a hard life right there wait uh, she what say it again 46 Oh, boy. Yeah. Don't do meth. Okay. Anyway, so uh, she was screaming in the entryway of a Walmart and trying to catch her dog, Bo, uh, not pictured. <laughs> they also learned that her son, Benny, was in the store causing problems. So let, let me break this down a little bit. So Hold up. Benny looks like he's had his nose broken a couple yeah, of times. Yeah, it is definitely sideways. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
So um, the the story is that Bo, the dog, was wow. not on a leash and was running around the store. Uh, Smith, okay. who was the mom, the 46-year-old that looks 987, uh, was, asked, oh my God. was asked to leave and take said dog. Uh, she kind of was like tear- – like the dog was running around. She was like kind of tearing apart shelving to try to get to the dog or like clothing racks or whatever. But anyway, so she actually left the store and stayed in the parking lot uh, practicing karate. And <laughs> and then uh, when the police arrived, she tried to – she uh, moved her karate practice to kicking the police cruiser. Oh my! Uh, just wait. You, you okay? Say like you're you're already at the level of laughter, and you haven't even gotten all of it yet. Uh, I don't even. The son Van. Uh, he then proceeded to take off all of his clothes in the Walmart, <laughs> and uh, exposed himself to some <laughs> other customers, uh, and tried to put on some of the clothes that were like on a mannequin or on a shelf or something. Uh, when police approached him to, of course, arrest his naked ass, uh, they, he tried to run them over with a scooter. What? Yeah. Like. Like a kid scooter no, uh, or like, one of the Walmart. I think the Walmart. Powered one of the carts? Walmart like powered like yeah, carts. Yeah. Okay. So tried to run over the police. So we got uh-huh. that. Uh, also in the in the midst of all of this, uh, the dog Bo decided to grab some snacks from the Walmart, and he <laughs> and the dog was running around with a box of Jiffy cornbread muffin mix <laughs> in his mouth, and <laughs> and tried to run out of the store. You know, like with the Jiffy Cornbread. <laughs> the mix. dog was shoplifting. Yep. <laughs> he really wanted some cornbread. Yep. Uh, dog, man, when you got the munchies. I just think that's so funny. The dog walks into a store, could pick anything he wants. Could, the dog could have had pork rinds and decided the box yeah. of Jiffy Cornbread muffin mix. Now, that makes sense because that is always on the bottom shelf. But uh, still, that's a weird one. Uh, so, anyway, Van, the, the son, was arrested for lewd and lascivious behavior, uh, being naked in a Walmart. Uh, disorderly conduct and retail theft. Uh, the mom was arrested for disorderly conduct, of course, resisting arrest, mis- and uh, misdemeanor bail jumping. So apparently, she was uh, already in trouble. And um, was the dog arrested? However, uh, the police actually did make a statement. They did say the dog uh, was not charged, but we did issue him a warning for theft. Good. <laughs> so the dog was issued a warning. Naughty bow. Yeah, yeah. You know, people do give the police a hard time, but they do have to deal with fuck ups like this. And I just thought it was funny that they at least had some sense of humor with it. Like, really, like this is what I have to deal with right now. Um, so feel free to check out the uh, the story about Eau Claire, Wisconsin, and the mom and son at Walmart. God. So, what do you think? Should we invite our guests on and start talking about some music? As promised, we are finally to the part of the show that I've been so excited about. Guys, I want to welcome the members of ACP Pro to the show. Thank you guys so much for joining us. What's happening? Give me five. Hey, guys. So we've got Seth and Vlad with us. This is Seth. Vlad. It's it's really an honor, guys, because I I say this in all sincerity. I am also a fan. Well, we we really obviously appreciate that, man. I mean, we... Um, are kind of a weird guys when it comes to this music thing. So we're not ever sure if like what we're doing is just stuff that we're both geeked out about and no one else even, you know, has uh, has access to in some kind of way. You know, like, is this really just, you know, something that, that, that we're digging on? But that seems like that's not the case. Nice to know. I can understand that. You know, I, f- I feel that way about this podcast. But mm-hmm. I, I feel it's, you know, kind of similar. You guys are just kind of jamming and making cool shit then mm-hmm. you know that's kind of what we do at least we we hope it's cool shit but you know 
There are yeah, people well, out there like us who dig what you're doing, so please keep it up. Yeah, well, that's that's much appreciated, man. We we uh, we're super inspired when we hear things like that, obviously. So, you know, it, it helps you not to question your direction and stay creative, um, rather than say, well, you know, we should try to switch this up because it'd be so much easier. You know, appeal to the crowd if you just make mm-hmm. that move. You know, and there's always that tension that. It kind of leads me into my first question. So, Seth, I don't, rem- I don't know if you remember when I, I told you this after your show. You asked me what I thought, and I told you that it reminded me of everything that I had enjoyed about first discovering the electronic genre. And it, it you know, with the, uh, the sampling in there as well, the, the clips that you guys use, it just it really took me to a cool place. So that's that's I find it hard to just describe you guys as synthwave. What would you guys? I mean, would you say yes, we're synthwave because I, I think that's what people gravitate towards, or would you guys say that you're you're a mix of things? So how would you describe your sound? What you really want them to do is transport you to a place that makes you feel very strong emotionally like you know it's really like a a big pull you know it doesn't necessarily Mm -hmm. have to be the same emotion but you want you know a reaction and um certainly like i think we both think of ourselves as pretty well versed in a lot of different forms of music and in particular electronics so you know we're trying to bring a lot of these different elements of um electronic music to the fore when we're um producing tracks and sure. with regard to synthwave, I, I would say first and foremost that our perspective on synthwave is that really um, it is um, modern uh, music that is deriving a lot of um, its anchoring from the use of synthesizer. But that's mm-hmm. the only rule we really kind of like look at in terms of what the genre means. For other people, it's a lot more specific, right? But I think um, for us and our perspective, it's as long as the synth is present and to some degree prominent, then you're making synth wave, right? True. uh, In a sort of additional element to that, you're drawing from some um, retro like elements, but you're trying to recombine them and make them new, right? So, I mean, if we're working on something, a lot of times um, it might be the idea of... uh, you know, having a, an influence from, let's say, a new wave band combined with, you know, uh, a John Carpenter score mm-hmm. combined with, you know, maybe a big um, 90s electronic group like a Prodigy all the way through to something that's brand new, you know, that's that's hit the streets in the last few months, right? And we're filtering, or at least attempting to filter all those things into, you know, some kind of a uh, synthesis, you know, to, to capture mm-hmm. a certain kind of vibe. So if you hear that coming through, it's definitely by intent. Good. This, uh, this entire thing with, uh, dividing out into synth wave or dark wave or whatever you, whatever subgenre you want to, you want to go down. I, I think it, I'm not a big fan of it. I, Neither what I know, what, what I know is that we, when we set out to do Able Archer 83, which is our first album, what we really looked at was... Which is fantastic, by the way. Thank you very much. Um, 
we really looked at uh, 1980s and specifically 1980s horror film. And this specific, uh, just like a case study of um, the times and how we went from a B uh, horror film industry to some of the more mainstream horror films of that time. To be honest with you, we, we if if you listen to the album, uh, what we really tried to do is lay out a score for a, a, a 1980s horror film for the most part. The way that it moves in different sections is very mm-hmm. much... Um, um, it's a plot of the film. It's a, it's, it's, it's a very much a plot of a whole lot of 1980s horror films. And the way that it moves, it has lighter parts to it. It has darker parts, obviously. And um, uh, if we weren't able to really um, go down uh, different avenues, I think we'd be a little uh, a little upset about that. Yeah. You know, I would hate to do nothing but one style of synthwave music my entire life. You know, because um, mm-hmm. uh, just. Uh, if you look at the 1980s as a whole, they were going through some very, very crazy times. Uh, the Cold War was going on, um, and uh, a lot of people turned to escaping from all of that, not trying to think about the fact that they were dealing with the Cold War and the implications for that. That means they wanted to go and dance. So, you know, there's there's a lot of elements uh, from the eighties that we wanted to bring into Able Archer 83. And I think it came off um, uh, the way we wanted it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would certainly it agree. Interesting. The, the, uh, the reference to the cold war, because a lot of the media back then either went completely overboard with the, the partying, the, the glam, that kind of stuff, or completely apocalyptic. Right. So, um, we should probably take a second here and just kind of go through this because I think the audience will find it interesting. Um, you know, being um, fans of Easter eggs, not just from you know the standpoint of growing up with video games, but just always really liking interesting references, right? Um, the title of the album, Wikipedia, Evil Archer 83, you'll find out that that is the name of a military operation. It was a training exercise that was taken on by NATO. Uh, spearheaded by the United States, and it was done under the cover of darkness, at, you know, prepare readiness for, you know, some um, nuclear eventuality, right? And the Russian side took it so seriously that they almost launched a first strike on us because typically we would forewarn them that we were going to do an operation like that, and that didn't happen in this case. Mm-hmm. And so you had this big coordinated effort by all of these Western nations that were allies and the Russians didn't know what was going on. So they thought it was the real thing. In fact, there was a movie made about it later that wasn't called Able Archer 83. People didn't find out what that was till many years, but the movie was called the day after, if I remember correctly. Okay. Okay. And, uh, I, it, I thought you were going to say red Dawn, but no, okay. no, it was actually <laughs> a TV movie. And interestingly enough, as the story goes, they, uh, aired that movie and then they showed it to President Reagan. Uh, and that was the moment when he decided that he should talk to Gorbachev and try to draw down the tensions. Um, Interesting. So the idea of the album was to kind of draw the sense of the horror film and why it had become such a popular mainstream genre when previously it hadn't. Um, 
into uh, a sort of like almost a Freudian like cause what what were people dealing with and so we thought it was kind of a maybe a catharsis that they would want to go to the theater and watch you know this um, unstoppable force as we say on Wolf Killer a, a faceless evil in a system mm. beyond our control like they're watching a faceless evil whether that's Michael Myers or whether that's Jason or whether that's the mangled face of Freddy right and and uh, just have this relentless force coming at them for a couple of hours and then be able to walk out and feel the relief that they survived the experience, right? And process some of these emotions. And I'm sure they weren't necessarily aware that that's what um, was going on internally, but we felt like, you know, it was at least part of the explanation for the success of, of uh, 80s horror. So that's the tie-in as far as, uh, you know, the, the album name to it is there's a real horror and then there's the, the world of, of horror films, right? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> it gives me a whole new perspective on, on your, your previous album. Well, um, I should, should attend to this now, probably the, the name, uh, you guys were going to bring this up, but it's probably a good time to mention it, which is mm -hmm. that the name at ECP Pro actually stands for Armchair Philosophers Production. Uh, so okay. um, we've always been very interested in, you know, what's happening in the world. And when we were in high school, younger, we would sit around in like the local diners, like Denny's and IHOP groups of us um, rolling over the different you know, subjects, things that were happening in the world and relating them to like, you know, uh, the stuff that we were watching and listening to and reading, um, you know, uh, the famous conspiracy theory books of the day, like uh, Behold a Pale Horse by uh, Bill Cooper and so on. So um, this was sort of a thing that we named ourselves as a kind of a friend group years ago. Like we're just armchair philosophers. We can talk about all this for three hours, but it ain't going to change a damn thing. <laughs> you know yeah so i for me it was you know around the time that rage against the machine was really popular and i used to sit around with my friends and go okay man how are we going to take down the government um <laughs> we had lofty ambitions but we were super right. lazy and yeah and, yeah and they all just kind of like went by the wayside yeah right. and then i i heard a band called atari teenage riot oh yeah yeah, yeah. And I remember the first time I saw that video, I was like, wow. For yeah. which, was it Speed? You know, uh, I would refer to it as the video because it's the only one I remember from them. And it would come on late night. I think MTV at the time had a show called Amp. That Amp. Featured, oh, uh, God. Amazing electronic music. Yeah. And I they even to... put out a compilation of, uh, of artists. The Amp uh, compilation is phenomenal, like piece of uh, electronic music history. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. And I think Atari T.J. Ryan was on there. Uh, and I just remember this batshit, like insane, you know, video uh, that was like super fast, almost like blast beaty sort of stuff, and uh, them screaming on it, and it, it just looked like somebody's nightmare, you know. But it was yeah, uh, it's pretty moving. Absolutely, <clears throat> Rob. I think you had a question for our guests. Yeah, well, I I was I was um, just thinking about how much I liked the story about how they came up with their name, the ACP Pro. Um, because I was I was noticing that I I'm not really big into the synthwave or or any of the the genre mm -hmm. um, that but I have noticed that there's a lot of band names that are pretty much just movies followed by the year the movie was released. Right, right. Is is that is that a thing? I mean, what what is that? I think it just seemed like it happened organically. You know, uh -huh. um, I think um, for us. 
uh, I mean, it's it's really almost just happenstance that it has anything in common with that because, mm-hmm. you know, A, it's not the name of a movie. It's a military exercise. And mm-hmm. uh, B, it actually has 83 in the, in the exercise name. So um, that was what we were going to use regardless. And so it's coincidental that, that the album title actually has a year from the 80s uh, in it. But uh, there are a lot of folks that I think want to make the reference explicit, um, and they actually even put it in their band name, right? Yeah, um, yeah. So I, I it think is a thing to some degree, although I'm not sure how that happened. Um, I I wonder if um, you know producers like Jordy Time Cop 1983, if he was actually born in 1983. Yeah, I think um, there's a fair amount of that. I told you guys uh, we were standing outside of Will's Pub, and we were talking to that really young kid. You remember that kid Lawrence who was walking around with a Moon, Moon Dragon album? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hoping yeah. to get it signed. Yes. And I was like, yeah. I mean, I was born in the greatest. I this. I'm sorry. I'm getting kind of braggadocious here, but I was born in 1984. Only a little. I, I mean, it it may have been the greatest year <laughs> for everything, <laughs> but. You know, Rob, I think that's a way of, of signaling. Uh, that's kind of a way of raising the flag. Right. right. Um, I don't know if you guys disagree or not, but it's kind of, hey, this is, you know, the the kind of era that we're representing and and changing. I think we interviewed Timmy Capello, who was the uh, sexy sax performer from right. the Lost Boys. Uh, Lost Boys, yeah. He was yeah. on... Um... That uh, recent track uh, by um, Gunship. Gunship, yeah. Yeah, Dark All Day. And he called Synthwave, what did he call it, Greg? Neo Retrofuturism? Retrofuturism, uh, actually, I think yeah, it's a great did. term. I think it's a great term. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I yeah. think it is because I, I can remember growing up and, you know, discovering electronic music and there was like, there was drum and bass, there was jungle, there was hard step, there was dubstep. And now it's just like, uh, it's just all electronic to me. Right, right. I think that's largely how we feel. Yep. Yeah. And and I still feel that way. But, you know, when we're talking about synth wave versus dark synth or dark wave or dream wave, you know, it's all the same devoted you know, nostalgic kind of thing. Um, I think um, anytime you have like a niche genre or an underground genre, that's really vibrant. What you usually see is a lot of like um, defining by fan, um, the subgenres that really appeal to them. Like Vlad and I are um, huge metalheads and we're huge hip hop fans as well. And within both of those worlds, there's just endless amounts of, dedicated followings of subgenres down to the most micro level right yes yeah. it's, it's interesting it's you know at first I, I never minded it because it was like i needed to know what section of the cd store to go to to like get yeah. what i was looking for yeah yeah uh, now it's all you know tag lines or tag words and stuff like that when you're searching mm-hmm. around on the internet or uh, Bandcamp or any of that kind of stuff right right i tend to think of it as something more for the listener you know yeah um, it is because uh, I think some artists bristle at it. I don't think we particularly do. I mean, people are welcome to define us however they please, 
you know. Sometimes it uh, depends on how they define us. <laughs> well, right, or disco polka. I, I, did, what I, I didn't care for a chip tune too much, but yeah, you're yeah, not. right, right. I actually had a conversation with somebody today, and they were like, "Oh yeah, the chip tunes guys are dying out," and I'm like, "They're not dying out; they're evolving." And mm-hmm. I hate that term. Mm-hmm. But what evolving? Um, no, no chip tunes. Right. I don't, I don't even know what that term is. Well, I get it. I am too. <laughs> I think there's there's ways of like sort of um, bending um, an idea. You know, again, like we're uh, talking a lot about how you know electronic music and really this is but we stick with electronic um, can just seem like you know uh, different series of kind of sounds that can interact. However, you know somebody wants and 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 some people are more gravitated towards uh, one particular set of sounds than another, but just take a title from a song on uh, Able Archer 83, which is uh, the song called Kubrick, right? And so in the titling, it's intentional. There's a reference to Kubrick, and it's also spelled like um, the spelling of the video game Kubrick. So mm-hmm. Q, asterisk, and then brick in this case, right? So you're making an overt reference to an 80s video game at the same time you're making a master film director. Best known works, uh, at least two of them, came from the 80s, Full Metal Jacket and The Shining. So... Uh, I think when you do something like that, it kind of sets um, the listener on a path to not like specifically identify one particular element that they're supposed to be digging on, right? Yeah. I when I actually had a friend show up at your show, um, the most recent one mm-hmm. with Shredder 1984, and he had no idea what he was getting into. <laughs> That's the big best. heavy metal guy. Yeah. And I, I said, no, man, you're going to dig this. I, I, yes, it's electronic. And, oh, well, you know, you immediately associated that with, with a lot of different acts. But I said, no, no, no. There's there's a lot of metal influence. There's a lot of horror influence. Yeah. And he asked me to describe, you know, each artist. And I said, well, and I hope you guys aren't offended by this. I hope, it, sure. hope it's actually a compliment. Um <laughs> Because I'm such oh, a here we fan. go. Yeah, here we go. <laughs> the the, the buildup is real. I described you guys as the Apex Twin of the lineup. That's I'll that's take it. Absolutely brilliant. I'll man. take it. Um, I mean that for most electronic artists, whether or not they even listen to Apex as fans, know what that means and would take that as a high high compliment. Uh, you Good. know, he's Glad. considered to be one of the you know, uh, greatest electronic artist that's out there. And I think in the, in the sense that you mean it with regard to us, there's a lot for us to show and prove obviously, but in terms of the unbridled nature of the exploratory element of what we're doing, I think that's where you might get, you know, this Aphex twin element. Like there's Mm -hmm. not a lot of rules here. There's some identifiable constructs, but you can't really know where they're going to go. In fact, when we produce, we have this kind of, unwritten rule that we call the left turn and we always look to do something at a spot that's unexpected and go mm-hmm. away that is you know again what our initial instinct might be and go yeah that's cool but what could we do that would be much more in you know most I definitely and you know it's funny that you say that uh, uh funny enough pandora also thinks that we sound like <laughs> apex twins because oh, really they're all over our pandora channel yeah we got, that's pretty awesome. Yeah, that was like when we uploaded uh, the album, it was like one of the first uh, sort of associated act tags that we got. So people who were listening to that were getting our music uh, dumped into their channel. Uh, 
and going back to what we talked about at the very beginning and it's not sure if what you're doing is so insular that no one else is going to really, you know, um, uh, uh, moved by it. Right. Because it's almost like maybe you just have a giant series of inside references that only you and the person that you, uh, really are going to understand, you know, but ultimately you're making art first and foremost for yourself, you know, it's a process. Mm -hmm. And so that other part comes secondarily. You just kind of hope that it's going to move other people because that's, you know, the other, uh, aspect of what you want to achieve. So I think, you know, constructing the album the way that we did uh, allowed us to move that way because we knew that movies uh, obviously have different beats. So right there, you know, we built in uh, a sort of structure that was going to force us to have to change, like, the structure or genre from one element, right? Because we're talking about plot points and different scenes, essentially. It can't be monotone. You've got to have dynamics. It's got to move. Right. There's got to be character arcs and there's got to be tension mm -hmm. and release and all these kinds of things. Right. So, yeah, and it definitely does. How does the new album differ from previous releases differ from the last? Bud, you want to take this? Yeah. So, um, well, the 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 song, it's a single uh, Ravens and Wolves, um, which we will uh, be playing this episode. Actually, why, why don't we before we talk about it and show should we play a little snippet? Yeah, or do you want to? We play a snippet so, and then play the the full track at the end. Sure, sounds good. Okay. Um, so, did you, what should people listen for in the song? So, um, uh, ravens and wolves. Um, it was an interesting idea that I learned uh, while I was at Yellowstone National Forest. Um, it, uh, ravens and wolves have this crazy uh, symbiotic relationship where uh, uh, they work in tandem for their kill. Um, and they also enjoy the spoils together. Um, actually the Ravens will, uh, fly out ahead and, uh, signal to the wolves where exactly the kills are at. And I just thought in the world of symbiotic relationships, uh, that has to be quite possibly the craziest one that I've ever thought about. You know, it, it's, it's this, this merge of two unlikely sources that come together to survive. Right. Um, yeah, that's, that's, uh, was the initial inspiration, but I think just like, um, all the other reference points that we've been talking about, when you think about, um, these two creatures that are looking around for, you know, carrion, right. Um, and uh, they're helping each other a lot of times, not really aware specifically of one another. It's just kind of something that they're doing. <clears throat> it's, systematic in a way where neither one is totally aware of the summation of the whole effect of what's going on. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, so to that end, like, you know, when you look at the world that we live in today and, and just uh, how crazy the interaction of all these different systems that we have, obviously, you know, the interaction between um, the political with the internet to um, the kind of commerce that we deal with, uh, a lot of these um, things that we're confronting are ones where people are working in tandem, um, not always to the best ends, but not aware of the fact that they're working in tandem to those ends, if that makes sense. So uh, in that way, the theme and the name sort of fits a lot with, uh, you know, our sort of previous ideas where, you know, you can read it on one level as like, you know, it's ravens and wolves and it sounds dark and 
you know, cool, right? Mm -hmm. And then you can take it down to, you know, uh, a much more analytical place. So, yeah, uh, right. I, I, uh, I feel like we need to make a podcast for every single one of your tracks because <laughs> just giving me such a deeper understanding and deeper appreciation. So I'm going to play a little bit right now. If you guys stick around later, the the listeners out there, uh, we will play the song in full at the end. You better, yeah. The uh, <laughs> uh, no, that tone of that that synth that comes in is uh, it reminds me there was a, a remix of like a Billy Idol cyberpunk album that I had that had a, a track called the Nosebleed Mix. That sounds great. And I want to know what that is. <laughs> it was. Uh, I don't think it was Shock to the System, but the one mix was called Nosebleed Mix, and it sound like as soon as, as soon as I hear that tone, it sounded like like you know like the nosebleed like. Mm-hmm. dripping i guess for lack of a better term but that's kind of what remind me of. <laughs> I, and th- and keep in mind too uh when we started on this track was um a, a little bit after we started performing live and we were really coming together as far as energy goes for a live show and what we needed to what we wanted to um uh, really give the fans at the show um, as far as a closer uh, to the track. We, we played that track several times um, this past year before the release, just to uh, get a sense of the reaction people uh, gave us. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the reaction been pretty great to it. And, you know, it's uh, it's something that I think um, what we attempted to do in terms of the actual song structure was, to sort of encapsulate like in one track um, as best we could, like some level of the width and breadth of what we're about, which, you know, is hard to do given the way that we tend to go about things. But we wanted to say, if we were to take something like Able Archer and turn it into one song, how would it come off? And in addition, be updated mm-hmm. based on, you know, the other thoughts and, and uh, techniques we developed since then. And, you know, maybe elements that we didn't get to include in the album. Like there's a whole uh, sort of metal uh, ending to the song that's uh, drawn from things like White Zombie and Pantera. Uh, yeah. You know? So like we wanted to get that element present um, because those are influences and, and uh, it just felt like a good place to kind of like end off uh, big at a at a show. And I've seen them live, guys, and it's great. <laughs> well we're just up there you know trying to trying to stay uh you know focused and kind of out of the way of the music and let people be transported by what's going on visually 
and what's coming out of the out of that uh, sound system, you know, what we like to do. Okay, guys. So I think we're going to um, close out the interview portion because we also have a movie review or a short movie review to do. Yes, we do. We're going to do some a quick round here. Uh, you guys can chime in. And uh, so let's let's hear some of your uh, the funny uh, tour or show stories, things that you've seen that have gone crazy from the stage or anything like that. Well, pr- anything weird? Yeah, probably uh, one of the uh, not funnier stories, but a weird story or crazy, yeah. Cra- crazy story is uh, one of our first shows. Uh, we ended up playing uh, Art Basel in 2017, and uh, so that real quick is a big um, like extravaganza down in Miami that's uh, all focused on uh, art of every kind. And so down in South yeah. Beach, they've mm-hmm. got these art installations set up all over in all kinds of venues and these huge tents out on the beach. And there's just thousands and thousands of people like and all kinds of you know, musical events. I mean, it's just a whole smorgasbord going on. Right. So you're in the thick of it, you know. Yeah. So nice. this was literally our not one of our first shows. It was our first show. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Needless to say, um, uh, we um, it, we had two weeks to get ready for the show, yeah. and uh, we went. We got down to Miami, and uh, we were uh, working with uh, Red Room Key, this company out of Miami that does uh, live stage performance costumes yeah. and dancers. Um, you know acrobats people's on people on stilts like it's sort of uh you know a circus troupe based around i would say um you know dancing but really you know there's a whole lot more in terms of what the performers so anyways acp pro was performing with uh gem and the hologram dancer along with uh <laughs> 10 foot i know i know them yeah yeah 10, ten, ten foot uh glow in the dark robots all while we had an SMN SNM li- yeah. yeah. live bondage going on right. uh, wow. on the dance floor. Oh God! And we're in Miami. <laughs> I've, I've been to a show. Well, like yeah, that. we're in Miami, uh, and it was a very uh, gay crowd. Uh, they were definitely digging it when the SNM was going on. They uh, uh, decided to. Uh, start having a battle with the performers of the SNM. It, it was crazy. Yeah, yeah. So they it, all like circled was... up, and there's this bondage like scene happening. <laughs> and meanwhile, there's these other um, uh, uh, guys who were just like you know dancing their faces off, sort of at the bondage performers, like as like a challenge to see who could get more attention. And we're just over there in the corner, like playing the album start to finish to this setting. You know, it was uh, really uh, quite a, you know, a, a, a wild experience. It was almost like something like Hunter S. Thompson would, would write about, you know. <laughs> oh, man. That's awesome. Yeah. So I'd say that was that. Was a- yeah, that, that's, that works. That definitely answers that question very well. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so real quick, uh, who, who puts together your visuals? Is that you guys or do you uh, that, find them or what? Yeah, that would be me. Um, I... Uh, so, some of the footage, be, <laughs> excuse me, uh, some of the footage is uh, uh, found footage from uh, different horror films. That's obviously a, a main thing we go by. And uh, I also do uh, create some of the the live or the, the graphic footage that you see when you right, shows. Right, right, right. So 
yeah, the other side of the visual piece is, um, you know, what we obviously do through the social media element. And so that represents us like on the web. And, you know, I think you guys can probably tell if you go to a show that those ideas are pretty one-to-one, uh, you know, just as an example, like Vlad and I don't have to talk much about this because of the fact that we're so well established in what we want to see. Uh, as an example, I came over here to the studio last night and he was editing together some footage of a motorcycle rider at night and on a racetrack. And then the two days prior, I had been all over Google searching for that exact kind of thing. So it was like, this is just how we operate. It's almost nice. like a, a uh, mind meld of some kind, you know? Reading each other's minds. Yeah, seemingly. Nice. Sorry, when you said motorcycle rider, I'm like, what was that Charlie Sheen movie? Uh, what was the Charlie uh, Sheen movie? Terminal Velocity? Uh, I think it's Terminal Velocity. The, the, the Wraith. The Wraith. Oh, oh the, the Wraith. Older. Yes. Even older. Yes. Actually, it's funny because I did grab that as something that I wanted to use. As you later. should. Yeah, yeah. The Wraith is really underrated. Everybody watch that. It's uh, That's a gem. Mm, exactly. Well, I think uh, well, let's let's close out the interview portion real quick mm-hmm. with just you guys get to plug what's going on. So what's what's next? When how can people get your stuff? Where can they find you? All of that fun stuff. Let's let's make you some money. So yeah, what's the best way to support you guys. <laughs> um, we well, a direct uh, just... check written to them. <laughs> yeah, probably, yeah. I mean, but... a suitcase with a million dollars delivered to the studio address. Uh, just message me for details. Um, so we are uh, just in the process of working on a couple of different EPs that will be uh, released, hopefully summer and fall, but we'll see. You know, those things are moving parts. But um, in the here and now, we just released our single Ravens and Wolves. We've talked about that earlier. Uh, that'll be available on any service that you prefer. So wherever you like to get your music, you should be able to find it there, no problem. Looking for ACB Pro, Ravens and Wolves. Um, and then, of course, just watch for um, the shows. Uh, we're playing Stonewall. Uh, I think this is going to be um, happening before you guys release the show. But uh, that is the 19th of April, so just a couple of days away. And then we have another show at Soundbar on May 25th with Nate No Face, who is a wild dude from out west uh, who does synth punk. Uh, so, Interesting. yeah, it, uh, it should be a real crazy show at Soundbar. Awesome. Uh, outside of that, if you want to just mention, uh, you know, if you're on Instagram, we're at ACP Pro. If you're looking for us on Facebook, backslash ACP Pro, or just look us up, should be able to find us in either of those spots. Uh, and we have a web page, acppro.net. Very cool. Okay. Well, first of all, thank you for um, submitting to our questions. <laughs> yeah, it was real Chinese water torture. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that's that's actually our nickname. Is it? Yes. Perfect. That was that yes. was the title you were going to go with, and then you were like, maybe give me fives a little more catchy. <laughs> yes. Yeah. We are going to get into our one pop culture related topic of the evening. And we're going to actually review something a little different this time, which is a, a fan film that is a, all about horror and, and very kind of cool. It's been on YouTube and we are going to invite our guests from ACP pro to join us while we review this movie. Jimmy, you kind of found this and let us know about it. So I'm going to let you from here. 
Yeah, so I've talked about my favorite horror source many times. That's bloody-disgusting.com, Rob. It's not spelled out hyphen. (laughs) But bloody-disgusting.com reported that this short film had over 1.2 million views at the time, and that was just a couple of days ago. Now, it's ballooned to over... I mean, maybe uh, 6,802,945 yeah. uh, at the time that I was watching it at lunch. So now it's 6,802,946 because I watched it after seeing that. Nice. So that short film is called Michael versus Jason Evil Emerges. And it's written, directed, acted, and as I said, lovingly crafted by the YouTubers at Radical Talent, uh, featuring. Three brothers, uh, Luke Petter, Joshua Petter, and John Petter. Uh, They're very tall family. <laughs> They're yeah. very tall and very Australian. Yes. Uh, Luke plays uh, – I'm sorry. Uh, Josh Petter plays Jason Voorhees. John plays yeah. Michael Myers. So it additionally stars Christopher Goldup, Jackson Green, and Michael Holmes. And like a kangaroo and a oh, koala. Movie. Yeah. And the Tasmanian devil. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. 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 Very Australian. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, you're so good at that. You got a, you know, unexplored talent there. Yeah. So the, the short film uh, featuring Michael Myers and Jason Voorhees uh, starts out with, uh, you know, commanded to kill by his mother, Jason Voorhees rises from the dead. And I put in parentheses again, and Michael Myers escapes from custody. Right. Again. Right. again. <laughs> As they are both want to do. Right. Yeah. yeah. These immortal. At least we ship them yeah, from from here, from Haddonfield, yeah, all the way over here. to uh, Australia. So that's good. Go to the woods of Australia. Um, my initial thought on this was, why does nobody cut their heads off? cut their limbs off, burn them, you know. I I think that was Friday the 13th, 27. I mean, honestly. Yeah, yeah. 27. They they cut his head off and stuck it in a blender and he came back. Yeah, I mean, you know, it wouldn't matter. I mean, no matter what happens, it's still going to be some individual atoms and they're still going to come back somehow, some way. Some some doctor is going to eat his beating heart. Ask yourself this. Would you rather have a $70 million box office or a carload full of uh, oversex teens? Because you keep them alive, you get rid of the carload full of teens, and you get the $70 million box office. Well, just saying. while the Halloween franchise has done well in the past uh, several years, the Friday the 13th franchise remains in legal limbo. Right, but that's not that's not because of the, the movie product. I mean, that's because of the people behind the scenes can't can't agree on shit that's that's not that's not a failure of the actual product it's not but we have these great things to talk about like this fan film we do Mm -hmm. now i can can i just ask a quick question because i'm I'm confused because i it, it seems like sometimes he is sometimes he isn't is there like any kind of supernatural shit going on with michael myers or is he just a crazy guy well because at times it seems like there's supernatural at work, but then it's like, well, but he's just a dude with a knife. I think um, 
you know, sort of ill-defined, but I would take it from the man himself, John Carpenter, wrote uh, Michael Myers' shape uh, that were referred to in yes. the script. He subsequently times it not sure, like a defined in nature shape. He's meant to think mm-hmm. you could draw from a sense outright Carpenter represents. Okay. Yeah, because my first impression of this, uh, when I first heard about this, the Michael versus Jason, I'm like, well, Jason's supernatural. He's going to kick his ass. You can't right. kill Jason. Right. So like we said, the you know, at the the time that I saw it, it had a million views. Now it has you know, million. almost seven million. Yeah. Well, I think uh, r- real quick, if you look at the the announcement that, about this movie, there's literally no budget. So the guy made it with the stuff he had on hand and yeah. didn't do any sort of funding, didn't do crowdfunding, didn't ask friends for money. Just kind of made it uh, with all his friends and stuff, which is very very cool. And just you know, regardless of what we say about it. Like you have to always take into account the budget because it was it was great for that. And there are some shortcomings that the, because of the lack of budget, but it was still a great watch. It was fun. Yeah, there are a couple. I mean, you've got yeah. the indomitable forces of Michael Myers and Jason Voorhees fighting each other. So what can you expect? You can expect to, you know, see them yeah. kill each other Relentless over mayhem. and over again. <laughs> mm hmm. Pretty well choreographed fight scenes, oddly enough. Like, I actually kind of thought they were going to be a little more, like, just attacking. There was, like, some mm-hmm. actual moves. Yeah, I, mm-hmm. I, I was thought like, oh, that's interesting. fight scenes were definitely well put together. Uh, my biggest, uh, not that it's a criticism, like, uh, as a fan film, I would have thought maybe introduction to how, you know, Jason and Friday come off teenager, you know, going off, getting killed. Mm-hmm. None of that was present. It seemed like it missed the mark just so. I think what we thought was, like you guys, the main takeaway strengths of the biggest uh, fighting element. That was top notch. A fight course, how to do So that really stood out. That and the costume really well done. I think uh, what Vlad highlighted, Definitely. Would have, you know, would have been a move uh, versus in something. Uh, Jason wakes up kills a couple of shot from behind a knife and flash of rain a flash of a wonder exactly. that's have had all this is how these films but that's you know mm-hmm. and then uh yeah being I mean, very picky a, you know kind of because they kind of toss you um, unless you these mm-hmm. things but you know it was a fan film so mm-hmm. maybe genre folks it's it's actually a little crazy everyone knows jason because i mean there hasn't been a friday the 13th movie since 2009 which was mm-hmm. crazy to me when i saw that yeah and i i kind of take issue with that um have you guys seen Never Hike Alone? Okay. That's another fan film. And that's actually pretty good. It's it's really damn good. And a lot of the, you know, criticism that I see online is, oh, hey, you know, they haven't made a, a film in so many years, but there are, like, mm-hmm. good fan films in the franchise that they can't exactly say that they're right, they can't connected to. Canned. Yeah. Well... I mean, I think, you know, it's a great thing that people have the, to go out and be loved. That's just things mm-hmm. about go and pull these off with know-how and the Robert Rada crew. seems like a lot of these are, you know what, I got a camera, I can figure out how to do these effects, right? That's definitely one of the benefits of cameras getting cheaper and smaller and still being high quality. Is you're going to see a lot of these high quality fan films. Yeah, I'd be surprised if they don't get some kind of, it would almost be inevitable. Oh, yeah. Just... Especially in Australia. <laughs> yeah. George Miller, call him. Next Mad Max. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. (laughs) I I do have to make a little bit of a comment on their lovely use of ground beef. (laughs) Because 
because I was eating lunch when I watched this, and there was a a lovely uh, head stomp that mm-hmm. instead of brains they used uh, ground beef, and my lunch, which was like uh, instant uh, Vietnamese pho soup or pho soup, uh, what didn't cut it anymore because I really wanted a hamburger afterwards. <laughs> and and I will say that that the guy that got his head stomped in completely deserved it because that was probably the dumbest setup to get him free. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> They're like, hey, we're yeah. going to kill him. Bring as little backup as possible, okay? Don't bring anybody with you. Just, you know what, just come by. Your, in fact, just take his cuffs off. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. Just bring, just, just bring him by himself. You know, you'll be all right. And, yeah, and, and bring a kitchen knife. <laughs> what? <laughs> and now it's time for things Jimmy had problems with. Yeah. Um, <laughs> just a couple of things. I mean, I know it's a short film, but... The fact that they put Michael Myers' mask on him yeah. to get him to say something was weird to me. It's like, yeah. uh, oh, God, you're going to give this guy his power back? And then the other thing that I had a problem with was the kitchen knife that he's so famous for came from a cop that he killed. Yep. <laughs> like, that didn't seem like a standard issue knife. <laughs> yeah. It's just really weird. And these are like the worst cops ever. Yeah. One of them looked a lot like Lars Ulrich. <laughs> you talking about the one that, that got away? Oh, the, the main guy. Away, yeah. yeah. The, the main guy. Yeah. yeah. I was like, whoa, was that Lars? <laughs> <laughs> and, and he's got a gun, and he's running through the woods, not firing a shot at this guy who's slowly walking up behind him. Yeah. Wait, and then he goes and hides behind a tree. <laughs> What? Uh, did you see when he did shoot how badly he missed? He shot yeah. like the tail of the the truck. Hold on, was like, that a, was that a tree? It looked like a sapling to me. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> That's what it was. I'm like, I'm like, dude, if you're hiding, he he doesn't have a gun. He, you're not trying to get behind cover. If you're hiding, you need to friggin' hide. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. I mean, yeah, and again, we we. We make fun of little things like that, but I mean, I don't know. I I filmed a silly video when I was a kid, and I remember like it was a dr- anti drug video, and I remember giving mm-hmm. my one friend with long hair a bag of flour, and telling him he was a drug dealer. Oh, <laughs> you should play that. Yeah, I I wish I still had it, and he uh, it was it was glorious. It was uh, if I still had it, it would definitely go viral for the wrong reasons. But no, it was a. I think it was funny because, like, it starts off, and I forgot that I was watching a fan. I, I knew I was watching a fan film at the beginning because you could tell, like, mm-hmm. the guy is Jason was wearing a mask, and you can kind of see the the latex like look of like the ear and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And then about five minutes in, you just kind of got caught up in it. Yeah, it like yeah. Once they met each other, yeah, and once the dialogue stopped, I was like, all right, it's on. Yeah, it's what you wanted it to be, right? Exactly. You know? And, so and they, I think the, the best part of that, you know, it's it's a little bit forward in the movie, but it's after they've been at it with each other for a while, and then they've killed other people who've gotten in the fray, and then you have this moment where you're not sure if they're like, maybe we should join forces. Mm-hmm. And they sort of let that hang in the air for a minute. And then it is immediately after that. They're like, nope, fuck no, it. No, no, <laughs> do it. You, you yeah. 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 And, and I got to say that from, from the get go, I mean, having, having 
read the the disclaimer at the beginning or whatever that 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 there was this was done with like zero budget. I remember at the start of the film, I was super impressed with the makeup job that they did on Jason. The initial makeup job before he put on the mask. Yeah. I was like, oh, well, that's that's actually not bad for like zero budget. They actually got somebody to come in and do that for him. Yeah, it and, was pretty Jason and then, Manhattan. And then being super unimpressed with the whole section that had the cops in it. And then everything yeah. after that was good. I was like, oh, this is going to be, oh, it's one of those. Oh, wait, this might be good. <laughs> yeah, it's like they just needed some bystanders to take out as sort of like, you know, uh, an additional element because they're obviously not going to kill each other right away so we got to see some right. other other people just you know take a fall just keep things interesting and remind you that that's what these guys do when they're not you know battering one another um but yeah i thought that the i thought the makeup was actually you know like pretty top notch i mean I, I i really thought you know if you had like a full movie budget with all of the you know lighting elements and cinematography and editing and post that they would have had that that makeup mm-hmm. probably would have passed muster um, without much additional work. Yeah. And, and they did an excellent job weathering Michael Myers mask. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I think um, the strongest points of that movie overall were, you know, like you say, the, the look of the characters, the fighting uh, and that, that was just, you know, um, everything you kind of wanted out of those two guys facing off and Dude. the score. Which, again, I was like, who did the score for this? Because this is like a whole symphonic uh, you know, arrangement here, you know? I mean, not to be overlooked. And they also did that, at least uh, uh, look like No, they actually they did. They took that from the original. They, if you read through the, the YouTube uh-huh. like thing, they, they actually said that all music is re- rights reserved to uh, the original owners of Friday the 13th and Halloween. Oh, so they didn't redo it at all. They didn't touch no, it up or no. anything. See, they I edited would, it and moved uh, stuff was, around. Uh, okay, because that's what it sounded like. It was like, well, maybe they just had some way of, of, of editing this. So that makes more sense because um, I just didn't know how they would pull that off. But I thought, well, this is definitely not exactly the same. But, uh, you know, here it is. So that make, that that answers that question. Yeah, yeah. I, I was wondering that too. That's why I looked through. It was like, uh, uh, yeah, maybe it's not in there. It's uh, I was in a, an, an interview about them because I, I – Gotcha. I did a little bit of research about those guys, and they said that you know we used everything we had at the time, and that's about it. But, yeah, they make some like royalty free stuff in there, right? Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, it worked. It worked. <laughs> do Do you guys know where this is going? I mean, is it are they going to try to take to the Sundance Festival or anything? I don't know. I think it was just a lovingly crafted like one off, kind of like um, Never Hike Alone. Was Never Hike Alone taken to Sundance, Jimmy? Yeah. I don't think so. Okay. No. You know, it's funny. As as important as Sundance is and getting that that little logo with the the IV and stuff like that. Yeah, the little YouTube kind of made it so that you, on these smaller films, you don't have to. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, anyone else have anything they'd like to add? I I actually have one thing that I will add um, because Mm -hmm. after watching this, I, I noticed on my YouTube feed that there was another michael versus jason that was made in 2015 and i went and checked that one out have you guys seen that one no i i I, I have to say that as far as the fight choreography goes this one was far superior it was it was a much better much better uh fight scene much more gratifying very very much more fun to watch yes um it was more fun to watch that one 
the the other one however did have much better like musical editing like they they used the friday the 13th and the halloween music hmm. or the little cues much more effectively in that film than they did in this one that one is by trent duncan if you want to look yes. that up out there yes and if you haven't seen the other Jason movie, you should check that one out. Never Hike Alone, because that one was actually... Yeah, I'll definitely have to watch that. It's the first time I've heard about it, so... But there were definitely things in that one that didn't make sense either. <laughs> Maybe some of that, you know, just borne out by the fact that, you know, I don't know how long that movie was, but when you only got 30 minutes, you know, it's like, dispense with the formalities. We got to get to yeah. it. So let everybody else worry about, you know... Uh, the suspension of disbelief element of a cop having a kitchen knife hanging, hanging yeah. around. <laughs> he just pulls it out and he's like going after Michael with it. Like, the first time I saw it, I thought it was not... serrated. I thought it was a bread knife. <laughs> I, I think there were like two of them. Okay. Which was like a weird beef. Like, ah. Continuity. <laughs> yeah. They all smoke and lunch lady. Yeah. That's not a. Got some rose beef. <laughs> oh, Fantastic. yeah. That's not a, a, a that's not a standard issue knife for a police officer. Have you ever Maybe been to Australia, Australia, sir? You know, I mean, I, I mean, have not. You, you got to think, man. I mean, you do have one of the most famous knife lines ever that comes from that is true movie. So that's a, maybe they just all roll like that. You know what I mean? That's you call that a knife. That's, that's I mean, not a knife, right? I mean, that's <laughs> how they get down? That's a knife. <laughs> nice. Well, that was Michael versus Jason available on YouTube. And now I think it's time to put our guests on the spot with our give me five question. All right, guys. So we like to surprise our guests with our five questions. And <laughs> that's definitely a surprise. Surprise yourself. <laughs> it happens. Uh, trying to think of man. something like weird ass. Like what? Yeah, I did. Five ways the the communist insurgency like in Denang Vet. No, let's do it again. He just referenced Wayne's World on our show. We never do that. And dude. Well, when you said a bunch of random stuff, made me think of that scene. You guys ever seen Airhead? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Or they're like, make their demands, and they're like, we want naked pictures of B. Arthur and a football helmet full of cottage cheese. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Pip. I'll just ask it directly. What are the five things that greatly influence the style and direction of ACP Pro? Uh, definitely films. Uh, I, if you were to go into music, I couldn't name five bands, but I could possibly name like five genres that influence us. We right. try to cast a wider net, I yeah. would say, than that, you know? So I think we're talking, um, you know, the root from the standpoint of this group, uh, as far as films go, is, is, is you know, 80s. Hot. So let, let's put it, uh, I'll break it down right. this way. So ACP Pro is a food item that you were trying to cook. What are the five ingredients that get mixed into that bowl? Okay. A food. Right. It's 80, it 80s horror, 80s horror but also, like you know, ways. cinema more broadly, but definitely kind. 80s horror is the root. Um, and then we're going to go metal. And we're going to go with electronic music and uh, we're going to go with hip hop. And 
and uh, naked ob- pictures obviously of obviously you have to have that because that's inspiration and uh, uh and uh, and, a, and a heavy presence of uh of, of new wave uh influence uh, uh as far as uh, where we're drawing from in terms of a of a retro 80s element so you have these broad genres and then you have some more specifics uh, in terms of like era that we try to you know combine into um the mixing bowl if we're going to stick with that metaphor so, so i've put down on the ingredient i've written it down for all to, to all to see uh, 80s horror, metal, electronic music, right. naked pictures of B. Arthur. Sounds about and right. <laughs> and I think we can all tell which one of those is obviously. Let sit on the counter overnight, bake for at about 350 right. degrees for 35 minutes, yes. and yes. Sounds enjoy. Good. Sounds good to me. Awesome. Well, thank you guys very much. Well, we much appreciate yeah, you guys having, you us having us Yeah. All right, guys. So that's going to wrap us up for the night. But as always... You can reach out to us. Tell us what you thought. Give us any feedback that you would like. You can find us on Facebook. Just search for the Give Me 5 podcast. You can reach us on Twitter and Instagram at Give Me 5 Pod. Or you can email us directly, Give Me 5 Podcast at gmail.com. And remember, that's always spelled out F I V E, not the number five. And please, guys, help us out. Leave us a review on iTunes. It really helps us stand out and helps more people find us. Also, we have a store, Give Me 5 Podcast.threadless.com. You can find all of your sweet, sweet, sweet Give Me Five swag there. T-shirts, phone covers, paper clips, probably not paper clips, but you, you get the idea. Someone out there, I mean, we're recording this before it happened, but someone out there has most likely won a T-shirt. hey What? Oh, was, was there more? <laughs> no, no. no. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, you can also download all of our, all of our episodes directly from the give me five Libsyn page. That's give me five dot Libsyn, L-I-B-S-Y-N.com. And that's uh, also where you can check out the uh, Amazon link in our, all of our episodes, where if you click on that link, buy whatever you're going to buy on Amazon right through there. And a little bit of the evil conglomerate money is going to come to us. So that, then we can start our own evil conglomerate. Do we have, uh, do we have the, the, survey posted there as well greg uh we do have a survey we do have a a little contest going on but this episode will probably come out after it is null and void that's why i have not really mentioned it all right you missed out keep keep an eye out we did our first contest (laughs) we might do other ones depending on how this goes also if you'd like if you'd like to find out more about acp pro our guests for this evening you can find information about them at acppro.bandcamp.com good morning good afternoon and good night thanks for listening And now, the world premiere of Ravens and Wolves by ACP Pro, available on Bandcamp and your favorite streaming services.
sits in an office with like generals and whatnot, and we constantly bombard him with dick pics. <laughs> Fantastic. Because we're that kind of friend. Yeah, 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 oh, yeah. yeah. 